We're going to talk today about an interesting character in the Bible, uh, King Jehoshaphat. And it, it is just, uh, it's in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to be there for the next 30, 35 minutes. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, you'll be, you'll be ready. But uh, we're going to talk today, tonight, about being positioned for the supernatural. Being positioned for the supernatural. God is a supernatural God. And sometimes we can get on kind of a cruise control setting of thinking that we have to do everything and be everything and make everything happen. And we forget, no, God is in the supernatural. He takes care of the supernatural. We do the natural. The supernatural, signs, wonders, miracles. God does all that, honey. The impossibilities belong to him. Yeah. And uh, we've experienced it over our, the time that we've had this church where we would face situations that um, we just didn't know what to do. Um, there's always opportunities, new, new situations, new circumstances as we go through life where we just need help. And he is the helper. The Holy Spirit in us will help us. That's why... Jesus said that my father will give you a helper, and that's the Holy Spirit. And for those kind of things that we've never been involved in uh, before, God has miracles that are waiting to bring us through those situations that absolutely look like to us there's no way. There's no way to get out of the situation, no way to go through the situation, no way at least to have a victory in the situation. But thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. That's really good, honey. And we have experienced it, and so have all of you. you. You have experienced the signs, the wonders, and the miracles of your life. And you've experienced things before where you thought something would happen, and it didn't happen. But we never want to let go of what we know is the will of God. And I'm going to just paraphrase, and then we can look at certain scriptures. Can I just share one yeah, thing? Go this for was it. a miracle the other day. Um, yesterday, I went out, and uh, my husband had forgotten to take the trash out. Now, I've always said, I do most anything, but I don't do trash. And I told my dad that once when we were living with him. He goes, what's that mean? I said, that means that you take the trash out. Because my mom always took the trash out. So daddy was used to, I was going to take the trash out. And I said, no, dad, I don't do trash. So Pastor Bill knows I don't do trash. I I never understood why. I just don't like pulling those big old garbage things to the front of the house. Oh, okay. So if I got smaller ones, it would be okay? (laughs) No. And so... Uh, yesterday morning, he hadn't done it, so I had to go back and drag him, you know, up to the front. You weren't very happy because you called me. Well, I, no, I wasn't. You told me. I Hurt wasn't. my feelings. Okay. I was wounded. <laughs> I apologize. You're not supposed to ever be wounded or offended. But so I put my phone <laughs> on the back of my car on the um, windshield wiper. I just laid it up there and uh, went ahead and did all of the trash. And then finally, when I took off, I forgot about my phone. And so I drove all the way to the west side, down 52, 55 mile an hour, 60 mile an hour, up and down to the river, uh, made all the turns, went, you know, just went about my business. I had no idea my phone was back there outside my car until later when I tried to find my phone to send a text to my <clears throat> husband and I couldn't find the phone. It was still on the back window, resting on that, just resting on top of that um, windshield wiper. You're fortunate. I thank God took care of me yesterday. <laughs> How fast did you drive? About 55, 60. Ooh, the speed limit is 55. I know. If you were 60, you were going over the, the speed, speed limit. limit. I might have been That's a tad. The... I might have been going up the hill. I'm, I'm telling not... Rodney. Okay. You're oh, no, he's not the county anymore. No. He's, okay. <laughs> anyway, God would know where we are. I know he knows where we are because he took care of that phone. And Pastor Bill would not have been excited if I'd have lost that phone somewhere and I didn't even know it was back there till I got a text and it buzzed in the back window. And I looked in my rearview mirror and there was my phone. It's called being distracted. I know. I was distracted. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> now, I'm going to paraphrase, <laughs> paraphrase the message because uh, a, a lot of things in the Old Covenant, you know, we read it and sometimes we relate to it and sometimes we don't. But if you really let the Holy Spirit show you, you can relate to an awful lot in the Old Covenant. And, and Jehoshaphat, uh, succeeded his father as the king of um, Israel, or Israel, no, Judah, Judah, uh, Judah. Uh, his, his father is the king of Judah, and uh, he, uh, he he made some mistakes. 
Now, let's all say this. I have made some mistakes. I have made some mistakes. So, so far, we can really relate to Jehoshaphat. But he, he, he made some mistakes, even though God, he was God's anointed for the moment. And, and, and later on, after making some mistakes, he really did some good things. But he really made a, a couple of bad decisions. And, you know, what, I was reading again this morning, but, but I never understood for sure why he wanted to align himself with Ahab in the first place. Now, Ahab was a bad king of, of Israel. He's a bad dude. And he married, did he marry Jezebel or something like that? You know, marry the wrong woman, you get in trouble, can't you? Well, I'll tell you what. And, and, and so anyway, uh, he, 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 uh, uh, he, he was just a bad king. And all of a sudden, Jehoshaphat goes to see him because he sent for Jehoshaphat to see if they might want to unite coming against uh, Syria. And uh, all of a sudden today, it's, you probably know this, it's always been there, but it just jumped out of the page. Jehoshaphat had married King Ahab's daughter. So that was his father-in-law. So not only did he have, you know, a bad situation with his father-in-law, he probably had a wife who said, let's come see daddy, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> and, and so then it all started to make sense to me. Is, is why was he, I always wonder, why is he over there in the first place? He knows that's a bad king. And then the king says to him, hey, why don't you align with me and let's go up and beat the heck out of the Syrians. And, uh, and Jehoshaphat said, well, maybe we ought to get a prophet in here. And he brings in, is it Micaiah? Micaiah. <clears throat> and you might think, well, where in the heck are we going tonight with this message? Well, it's going to make sense in just a moment. So Micaiah comes in because the, the king Ahab didn't want to use Micaiah because he always told him the truth. And this particular king, Ahab, as most bad people do, don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear what they want to hear. What, what do we want to hear when we're going the wrong direction? We need to hear the truth. And, uh, but anyway, so, so he said, well, I'll bring in Micaiah, but he always says bad things about me. So he brings in Micaiah, and it's in, in, in Second Chronicles uh, 19, 18 or 19, somewhere around in there. But, but then Micaiah, he, he said, Micaiah, now you always say bad things about me, but today I want you to tell me the truth. And, or no, he said, you always say bad things about me. And Micaiah said, okay, you're going to go up against the Syrians and you're going to win. And he says, don't lie to me. <laughs> Can you be, I know people just like this. Tell me the truth. You tell them and say, well, that darn with you. Uh, and, you know, they, 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 they need to hear the truth, but they don't really want to hear the truth. And so finally, the king says to Micaiah, King Ahab, to Micaiah, he says, Micaiah, tell me the truth. And he says, well, you're going to lose and they're going to destroy you. And he throws him in jail. He sends him back. I don't know if I'd want to be a prophet back in those days. But anyway, it brings you up to date. Now, King Jehoshaphat knows from the prophet, and I believe he already sensed in his spirit that this is not a good thing. He heard from the prophet. He knew he shouldn't be aligned with King Ahab, and he aligns with King Ahab, and he goes to war. And honey, you can pick up the rest of it, but it didn't do so good, did it? No, and you know... Um Actually, Ahab consulted, it says in verse 5 of chapter 18, the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men. He had 400 men who said uh, that he should go up. But Jehoshaphat is the one who said, is there not still a prophet in Israel, a prophet of the Lord here, that we may inquire of him? So somehow in that 400, Jehoshaphat knew yep. that something wasn't right. And he asked for one more prophet. Now, already 400 men had said this is the way you should go. There's a lot of people who will say to us, well, you know, we all think our opinion is that we should go. But when you're dealing with a prophetic word from God, it's no longer an opinion. It's a command. And so a lot of times, um, by the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, we know when something isn't right. But in this situation, Jehoshaphat overrode that decision, and yeah. he did go with Ahab. But in the end, uh, Ahab did a trick and, and said he wanted uh, Jehoshaphat <clears throat> to be uh, dressed like he was the king, and, and so they went after Jehoshaphat. Now, here's the guy that's just come along to help. This is his son-in-law. So, you know, sometimes the enemy... Um, 
doesn't care who's sacrificed for their good. The enemy always wants to be the person that wins, but God will always win. And this, and this is the part, that's really good how you explain that. This is the part I really want to share with you. <clears throat> all of us, I believe, yes. I don't even care what your age is. I believe probably all of us have done things we knew were wrong. We had a sensitivity in our spirit that we knew it was wrong. Somebody possibly told us, you know, I don't think you should be doing that. But because we really wanted to press on, and I believe, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but I believe this. I really do. I know it's going to sound funny. I don't mean it to be funny. I believe Jehoshaphat wanted to impress his father-in-law, and I believe he wanted to please his wife. Now, it doesn't say that. But I believe that those could have been circumstances in his life. Now, the reason I say it is because it fits perfect with the message. Okay. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you want to please somebody and you do something that you know instead of trying to please them, you should tell them the truth. Yeah. You should say, no, I'm not accepting what you're doing. You're doing the wrong thing. And I'm going to tell you what God has shown me so that I can help you. But instead, a lot of times we back down and say, well, we don't say it like this. I'm going to be a people pleaser because I don't want to upset anybody. The snare that is waiting for me of the fear of man is about to consume me, but it's okay. I'll rebound later on. I don't think that's the way we're supposed to live our life. No, and fortunately in this situation, it says in uh, chapter 18, 31, and it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they thought they went after Jehoshaphat thinking he was Ahab. And then it says, therefore, they it is the king of Israel, they said. Therefore, they surrounded Jehoshaphat to attack him. But he cried out, and the Lord helped him, and the Lord delivered him from them. And so even, even in his mistake, yeah. God did deliver him. Yeah. But, um, and in the end, Ahab was killed. So. <clears throat> so now let's set the scene, because I know that we can all relate to this. He, he knows he's doing the wrong thing, and he does it anyway. He almost gets killed doing it, and, and now he finally gets away and he's coming back home, and he's lost a lot of men. Yes. He, uh, we, we won't get into that now, but a lot of people died because of his stupidity and, and, and the mistake that he made. And so now he's coming home thinking, wow, now I can go back home. Everything's going to be okay. I should have never done that, but I'm not going to do it again. <clears throat> Verse number 19, excuse me, for, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 19 uh, then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Israel. And Jehu, <laughs> Jehu, is that how you pronounce that, Jehu? I think so. I don't know. But. Jehu. Well, I'm thinking of something. Jehu. You're a Jehu. <laughs> yes, Jehu. Yeah. <clears throat> and Jehu, the son of Hanani, uh, the seer, went out to meet him, his, his prophet, and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore... The wrath of the Lord is upon you. Glory to God. I mean, now he, he got it over there. Now he's coming home and he's greeted with this. But then, and I say this to all of you, sometimes God does come against us with a stern word to get our attention. But listen to this next season, uh, next sentence. Uh, he just said, therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, Good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. Have prepared your heart to seek God. Apparently, the prophetic, the, 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 the prophetic gift saw his heart and God had shown him his heart that, yes, I'm upset because of what he did, but I understand that he really loves me and he wants to seek me now. And he restored Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat did a lot of good things, honey. Yes. And, and I say that for the people that are watching right now. You know, we don't know how many people around the world. And I know I say that jokingly, like thousands of people are watching us and all over the world. And all. Well, we don't know. Uh, Gina Glaxiola <clears throat> probably watching in yeah, Mexico. Escondido, Mexico. No, she's not there. She's not in Escondido. Where are you, Gina? <laughs> uh, Via Hermosa. Where? Via Hermosa. Via Hermosa? On the other coast. Let me see. <laughs> Via Hermosa. I see it with my spectrometers. Gina, welcome. Alfonso, welcome. We're glad you're here. 
Denny and Jan out in uh, Texas. And I don't know anything about that church, but I'm going to look it up. I got your text. And by the way, all of you people watching, uh, what do you call it? You don't call it texting. What do you do when you respond, Morgan? What do they do? What do you call it? Pardon? Comment. Comment. Hit the comment page and say something nice. <laughs> anyway, where was I? You were talking about Jehoshaphat. Yeah, Jehoshaphat. So, so now he's back home and, and he's repented. He's doing his thing and all. And then all of a sudden he, he wakes up and uh, he finds that he's surrounded by the enemy. How many of you have ever had a great day? Everything is going well, made a couple of mistakes, repented of them. It's okay today. And all of a sudden, you know, it seems like all hell breaks loose. We've all been there, haven't we? Yes. Everybody does. Yeah. And, you know, in this case, um, you know, Jehoshaphat is, is the one who has to decide what he's going to do in this situation. And it really shows his heart because he turned to the Lord in the situation when he didn't know what to do. Uh, that's really what we're going to talk about uh, now is that, you know, we all have those situations. And sometimes we turn to a mate. We turn to, um, you know, other people that are counseled to us. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, it says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. But the first person that we should always seek our counsel from is the Lord. Yes. And then it says in those multitude of counselors, there will be um, a confirmation of what we've heard from the Lord. If, if we haven't heard anything from the Lord yeah. and we begin to get a lot of counsel, that's when the opportunity for confusion comes in, when the opportunity comes to uh, make a decision just based on the best good idea that may not have even been a God idea. So it's always important in a situation, especially we're going to talk about now in chapter 20, uh, when Jehoshaphat heard that these armies were surrounding him and their intention was to destroy him, uh, the first thing he did was begin to pray and seek God. <clears throat> the three things that he did initially... And I believe he learned from his mistakes. Yeah. I really, I really uh, do. And uh, these three things are so powerful that, that every single one of us need to have it as a discipline in our life because there are things down there. The coronavirus, we, we have so many voices that are out there today right now. God is with each and every one of us. And we're starting to focus upon people that we don't even know, uh, listening to the words that they have to say. Well, what did the government say? Well, what did the CDC say? Well, what did the WHO say? Well, what did all this kind of stuff? And before you know it, you start to be drawn into the world system. And we don't, I don't, don't think we need to necessarily talk about some of the, one of the main decisions we made recently about a decision that we were trying to be drawn into for the government uh, to help us. But, but we prayed about it and, and, and we started to make the made a decision and then retract the decision and said, no, God is our source. I want to always say this, God, God. is my source. <coughs> and our source is Almighty God. And these are the three things that I want to share with you that Jehoshaphat did. My wife just mentioned one of them, and they're found right in the beginning of 1 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, instead of giving you every single verse right here, I'm going to give you an overview of it so we can finish this message because it's such a powerful message. Number one, when he was surrounded, it said in verse number, uh, hmm, uh, well, the first verse of, of chapter 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others uh, came against the, uh, came uh, and with the Ammonites, came and surrounded uh, uh, the, the entire country, and they came to battle against Jehoshaphat. A great multitude came from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they were in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gadai. So this is the scene. They are surrounded by a great number uh, somewhere. I forget, I had the exact figure, but it was, it was a huge, uh, almost a million people that came against them. <clears throat> number one, he didn't know what to do. And it's not wrong to say, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Never wrong to say that. Because the human nature in an individual is to make a decision. And that sometimes can really get you in trouble. Number one, he prayed, he fasted, and he sought God. Number two, he shared with God 
that he did not know what to do. And number three, he, he, he told the Lord, my eyes are upon you. Total focus upon the Lord. And Pam, I've been there. When I, I, I've done both. I've made a decision that I, you know, didn't consult God and found out later on it would have been a whole lot better if I'd consulted God. I'm very slow to make a major decision without consulting God. There are good voices around me that will try to tell me and help me, but uh, until I've heard from God, I mean, I love you, and I, want, I bounce everything off of you, but uh, the most important thing to me is I have to hear from the Lord. Any decision, um, I think that's going to lead other people in a situation with you, uh, which for us, and as being the pastors of this church, we have to uh, really hear from God what we're supposed to do. And we have a lot of good people around us who can share with us what they feel, what they, yeah. what they feel like even the Lord is sharing with them. But ultimately to lead, we have to know what God said. We have to know it for ourselves because we've learned over the years uh, when we get in the battle, and there will be a battle for whatever God says. There, there's always a battle uh, because the enemy doesn't want God's will accomplished. So when we get in that battle, whoever is leading, who if that's you, you know, and, and you're a single person out there and you're working and, and you, you say, well, I don't have anybody to talk to. You have God yes. to talk to. That's good. And there is no greater counsel than the Lord. <laughs> and he will speak to us. It says his sheep hear his voice. So in any situation, before a decision is made, before we sign on the dotted line, it's, it's good to know this is what God told me. And we've done a couple of things, um, you know, here recently. We, you know, we had a lot of counsel. And, you know, sometimes things can just seem like the right thing to do. I mean, it's reasonable. And, and it's going to uh, protect you. It's going to keep you safe. And uh, why not do it? It's a, it's a great deal. Um, but, and so, you know, we, we went ahead and moved out on something. And then um, we were praying in here on a, a day that we pray every morning from 11.15 to 12. And all of a sudden, it was like, that is the wrong direction. And so I said to my husband, I'm sorry, I don't have peace about this. I don't know what we do after the fact, but God will help us, but I, don't, I just don't have peace. Yeah. <clears throat> so he said, well, I really don't have it either. And so we moved immediately and stopped everything that we were doing. You know, God... Um, is gracious, and, and there's going to be things for all of us yeah. that look like the right way, but unless we know, per, per, just specifically, and in this case, it's it's all the people of Judah that Jehoshaphat is leading, yes. and all these armies that are coming against him, and God has a plan. and It's not a man's plan. We're going to go on and talk about that, but it is a plan, and only that plan will bring the victory for this situation, for all these people. <clears throat> it's, it's so powerful, honey. And, and number two, what we said, by the way, whenever we share a message with you, if you ever want the message in written form, you call the church, 447-7777, area code 765, and we will mail you the outline of the message because sometimes we can say something and if you're out there taking notes, which you should be, uh, and in your Bible, uh, you you may want, want it, but but... The second thing that we shared with you, that, that he shared with God uh, that he didn't know what to do. Uh, I said this earlier, but human nature is to think and make a decision yourself. But Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11, which we shared on Sunday, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts and his words will come and accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So what you and I have to do is tap into God. What do you think about this? It's okay to tell God what we think. Yeah. God, here's what I think about this. However, I don't want it to be what I think. I want it to be what you think. Am I thinking what you think or am I missing what you think? And I believe God loves us so much. It's like a little child that we have. Yeah. We say to the child, this is what I'd like for you to do. Um, you know, uh, what do you think? Or the child says to us, dad, mom, this is what I'd really like to do. And say, son, that's not going to work. We're going to have to do it this way. And uh, so when we do that, we start to enter in. Now, here's what happened to Jehoshaphat. It is so powerful. Uh, after those three things that he did, then 
the prophet came to him and began to speak to him and show him what the will of God was. Now, in the Old Covenant, it was through the prophet. In the New Covenant, it would be through the Holy Spirit. So it's really and truly, I mean, the old prophet is not the Holy Spirit, but it, it's, it's kind of like one and the same or the same. The, 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 the prophet would hear from the Spirit of God and share the word. In the new covenant, we've got the Holy Spirit, so we really have a better deal in the new covenant. And we're going to give you the seven things that God spoke through the prophet that are so powerful and are anointed for today, right where we are, honey. Yes. And the first one, I'll share the first one, but listen, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we have ever been in a busy world of technology and everything else, oh my goodness, there are so many voices out there. There's noise everywhere. I like to go in my backyard and watch the birds and have the dog just sit on my lap. And now it's just going to be the birds and you, but it's okay. <laughs> it, it, but, but it's okay. Are you, are you going to be... Uh, Are you going to cooperate? I don't know. Oh, Pam. I'm going to tell, hey, tune in Sunday, and I'll let <laughs> you know what like happened that. when we get home. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like this. It's just, oh, just the positive. <laughs> What's the second one? Because it's so important. So everybody say, I need to listen. To listen. To God. To God. That takes some training. We need to listen to God. A lot of people have so much clutter going on in their mind, and I know this sometimes can happen to me. So many different windows open, so to speak, or drawers open in your file cabinet that um, you don't have a clear line to what God is saying. To listen is really an art. I mean, you have to make yourself uh, settle and be willing to hear. I was reading today in my um, leadership Bible. It's talked about David. It said he had eternal perspective and um, I can't remember what the other thing. Oh, and 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 the um, the big picture or the big vision. And with both of those things, decisions can be made. Well, that's really to hear from God. And the second thing that that He's told by the prophet is, "Do not be afraid." You know, we if we're going to live for God, fear cannot be a part of it. It's faith or fear with in the spirit. There's faith, which God operates by, fear, which the devil uses. So, you know, we're going to have to make a choice that we're going to listen and then we're not going to be afraid of what we're going to hear or how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. That's so true. <clears throat> we're in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 yes. right now. When the instructions from God came to the king, whenever you ask God, what to do, He will show you. God will never not show you what He wants you to know. He'll always respond. The third thing was, I said, do not be dismayed. Now, dismayed is an interesting word. It means distress caused by something unexpected. Every single one of us have been dismayed. It's not a common word. It's like, oh, I was dismayed today. And I don't think people go around talking like that. But you have had things come into your life that were a distress to you that you didn't expect it. It wouldn't happen. Our dog, I mean, I'm not trying to put our dog into something major like earth shaking in your families and lives. But, you know, we take a dog in because she didn't seem to feel good. The next thing we know, she's euthanized. Uh, I was, dis I think I was dismayed. Uh, I certainly wasn't expecting it. I was expecting to give her a shot and she'd come home and be on my lap. <laughs> you know, sometimes we don't have any understanding of why things happen, yeah. but um, that's when we have to trust the Lord. You know, when we're dismayed, it's it's like, how did that happen? Uh, I, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And I think that's true. And, you know, in our situation, even with the dog last night, we were uh, talking when we were eating dinner, and uh, we we had talked to the the people on the phone every day, but we couldn't see the dog. Um, but so we didn't really know what was going on. But as we were talking, we felt like you know we need to go ahead probably and put her to sleep. But last night I woke up lots of times, and I just I said, Lord, if she's perky and on her feet in the morning and ready to go then I'll know that you've healed her and we'll move on. But if not, then I'll know that this is the way that this is going to go. 
and I trust you. And so this morning when we got the call, the first thing they said was she's uh, taken a turn for the worse today, and she's not breathing very well. She had lots of issues that just suddenly happened. Uh, But it was a confirmation that God was saying, it's okay. And Pastor Bill needed them to tell him that she probably should be euthanized. That was a very hard decision that he didn't want to really have to make. But, you know, God, God loves us so much. He says, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. In other words, no matter how crazy or how bizarre this thing looks, without any understanding, don't be concerned about it. It's so true. Uh, and, and where the rubber meets the road is really making it happen. And these seven things that God spoke to uh, King Jehoshaphat, what, what can happen to us is we can miss one of them and then we don't go on to the next one because God's not giving us the third and fourth and fifth and sixth instruction if he sees us not moving ahead. Uh, number one, listen. Number two, don't be afraid. Number three, don't be dismayed. Number four, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Now, stop and think about this just for a moment. You've got an enemy out there that you have to do something about. And God says, okay, the battle's not yours. It's God's. And say, okay, so what does that mean? Because the enemy is waiting outside my door. My checkbook is empty. I'll take care of it. Don't be concerned about it. All these kind of things that we know we walk by faith. And the more things we've been through, the stronger we become, but it really only prepares us for the next thing because the next battle is going to be bigger because God's going to be able to put us into more advanced warfare. But the fourth thing is the battle is not yours, but it belongs to the Lord. And I speak that to every one of you watching tonight and those of you that would be watching on other nights. The battle is God's. If your position and if you're doing what God has called you to do and you're following the orders that God has given you, God will fight your battles for you. But if you go off on a rabbit trail, he's going to let you handle it. He's going to protect you as much as he can, but he's going to let you handle it. And I guarantee you, God is smarter than you are. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, when we, uh, when we try to take things into our own hands, because like we've just been sharing recently, because we, we get anxious or we want it to get fixed, yeah. um, you know, Jehoshaphat could have, mustered his army together and gone right out there and tried to fight him. But he recognized he needed to have other information. And so when God said to him, uh, the battle is not yours, but it's mine. That's what God was saying. In other words, I have a plan. The battle, you know, the, the actual battle itself is mine. I'll take care of it. If you read the old covenant, that happens so many times that God intervened. Now, they had to move out, which is number five, go down against them tomorrow. You know, it's one thing to say, the battle's not yours, it's mine, but go down against them. That's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, uh, the battle's not mine, but I got to go out there and face yeah. all these, the enemy. And and God will have us do that. But he, he wants us to know that he's on our side. And if God is on our side, then we're going to win the battle. And, and, and what happens a lot of times is uh, when God leads us, we try, uh, let, me, let me personalize this. I have learned over the years that I have tried continually to understand what he's telling me. In other words, in my natural mind, this doesn't make sense. Supernatural things don't make sense to the natural mind. But when, when you try to lean to your understanding, it gets you in trouble and it short circuits what God's trying to do. I believe that's why one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible is Proverbs 3. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps. It made me think of a little bit of a side track. It's not, not uh, as important as what Jehoshaphat was facing, but the, the deal out in um, years ago with, with the girl named Rita, the VBI student, she was just a pain in the neck. We wanted, She was bad. She was just a bad person. And uh, nobody wanted to be around her, and I never wanted to be around her. And one day I finally did something that I should have done in the very beginning as director of the Bible school that we directed. You know, I said, God, I don't know what to do with Rita. And, and, and in my spirit, I heard, call Rita in your office and tell her you want to meet with her. 
And I thought, okay, I did that. I stopped right there. Sometimes we need to stop and do whatever God tells us to do and not try to figure it out the rest. What's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. That's it. And, I, and, and so I said, okay. And Bonnie Beadle was our secretary. Bonnie called her in and set up an appointment. I kind of forgot about it the day that Bonnie buzzed me somewhere in the church and, and said, Rita's here to see you. And I thought, oh, now what am I going to do? I had no plan. I didn't know what to do other than I knew God said meet with Rita. And I'm walking toward the office to meet with Rita. You remember Rita. And, and I said, God, I do not know what to do. I do know what to say. And I remember walking up to that door and I heard in my spirit, tell Rita you don't like her and you don't know why. I thought, glory to God, that can't be God. And I heard it again. I believe God will tell us again and clarify it when he knows we're listening. But once he tells us and we knows we've heard, he's not just going to keep saying like rain man, oh, do it again, do it again. You know, it, 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 one time he knows. After the second time I knew. And I remember walking in and sitting down next to Rita and saying, Rita, I thought this was going to be so interesting. I don't like you. Can you tell me why? And she poured her heart out. I started crying, she started crying, and Rita and I became close. Rita never changed, but I did. Rita never changed. She ended up in Israel as a minister. Uh, Taught me a valuable lesson. Don't judge the book by the cover. You never know what the book's been through. Ooh, that's good. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. We don't always know what's the backstory. In a lot of situations. But this is what it said. The battle's not yours, it's God's. Number five, go down against them tomorrow. Sounds like a contradiction. Yeah, but we're not leaning to our own understanding. And then number six, it says you're not going to have to fight in this battle. Our fight is a fight of faith. The devil has been defeated. Powers and principalities have been disarmed. Our fight is a fight of faith to do whatever God said, and God will take care of the rest. You know, there's many battles in the Old Covenant, like... Yeah. Uh, the one with David, he would ask God, should I do this? I think it's in chapter 5 of Second Samuel, maybe. And uh, the Philistines came after him, and he said, am I supposed to go fight this battle? I mean, am I supposed to go do this? He said, yes, do it this way. Yep. And then the second time they came around, he said, are we supposed to go again and, and fight with them? And he said, yes, but this time, this time. And he told him how to plan yep. the <clears throat> battle, and he said, and wait till you hear... The, the wind in the mulberry trees or something like yeah. that. Uh, you know, God is, that wind in the mulberry trees is God doing the work. And he just had to, I think God wants to see if we're going to do what he tells us. Yeah. And I believe that's why Jehoshaphat won the battle. Because he sought God, he heard these steps, and he did what God told him to do. I think that's why God told Isaiah, Isaiah one eighteen, the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. And that when you really study it, and we don't want to get too far off on a tangent here, but you really study obedience and you study disobedience. Uh, disobedience, uh, d- God defines disobedience as the sin of witchcraft and that it opens the door to the devil. And you got to be really careful because a lot of people think, oh, it's just because I didn't do what I was told. Disobedience is as the sin Rebellion. of witchcraft. Yeah. And when disobedience, get, disobedience has gotten hold in the world. Totally. <clears throat> so the seventh thing that, uh, that Jehoshaphat was told was position yourself and stand still. Now, in the next battle, he may tell you to do something else. But one of the things that people have a hard time doing is to position yourself and stand still. Everybody say, stand still. Stand still. So, so many people are, I, I got to be doing something. I got to be, I got to be, I got to be, I got to be. When do you just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord? It, once you do what God tells you to do or he, what he's told us to do, at least in the past, sometimes it's a while between what he tells us to do, we do it, and something happens. And that's that Ephesians 6 where it says, you know, having done all to stand, stand. There's times where you just feel like I've stood and stood and stood and stood. But if God said to stand, we have to stand. That's faith in action, even though you're not doing anything. Faith in action is standing when you're told to stand. What's that mean? We, we do exactly what God said, and we wait for God to do what he's going to do. Yeah, and, and, and for many people, we're all different in our, 
personality makeup and stuff like that. But for many people, just to stand and not to see with their natural eyes something happen regarding what they're standing for, they start to get a little, uh, they feel like they need to do something to help God. You'll lose your confession real quick if you get ahead of what God's trying to That's do. That's exactly right. And you right. start speaking things that really will be a detriment to what God said He's going to do. Yeah. You can speak the right thing at the wrong time. And, and uh, God does not need your help. He needs your obedience. Yeah, and I believe there are people watching right now that God has told you certain things to do and you're not doing them. He loves you. He's not holding that against you, but you are holding against yourself the next level that God wants to take you to. God cannot promote you where your character won't hold you. And, and the obedience is more important than anything in your life. It's more important than your education. It's more important than your experience. It's more important than your characteristics that you have and giftings that you have. It is everything because God cannot promote anyone who's disobedient. Now, King Jehoshaphat then responded to what God said. And it's so powerful. He said, believe in God. He's sharing this with all the people now. It says, believe in God and you will be established. If you're reading on down there in the Word on 2 Chronicles 20. And then he said, believe the prophets and you shall prosper. In other words, believe the Word of God. And then he said, he appointed the worship team to praise the Lord. When they begin to praise the Lord, the power of God fell, Pam. You know that more than anybody. What we perhaps call it is the anointing began to come. Before any preaching and teaching of the Word of God in seminars and conferences and places like that, you have the worship to bring forth the anointing. You know, I've always wondered why uh, Jehoshaphat chose to have him do that. Because it said, uh, when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever. So the, the worshipers were in the front of the army yep. that was going to battle. Yeah. The only thing that really came to me was he believed God was going to win the battle. Yep. And so he was praising God even before the battle began. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't say the prophet told him to send the praisers out. That's what Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat said. Uh, it says, so they rose early in the morning, went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe the prophets, you shall prosper. And then once he had told the people that, he pointed people to praise. I believe he... His faith had risen to the place where he knew that they were going to win the battle. And the way you win the battle is always in praise, always in praise. I, I believe he knew the power of praise, praise and worship. worship. You as a worship leader know the power. You know when you're up there, and, and I say this because everybody can do it. Uh, you know, you may not be able to have four or five people in a worship team or, or a group of people, but you know the power that comes on the anointing when you're just playing the piano. Uh, used to at home, when we first got married, you'd just play the piano. You could feel the presence of God come into the place. I believe anybody, anywhere can do that. It's not a question of how you sang on key, off key, whatever key. It's worshiping the Lord through praise and worship. It's great to talk to God. It's great to read the Word. It's great to pray in tongues, all those kind of things. But And I know this sounds silly, and I don't mean for it to be because I've said it in a silly manner, but I just love to get in the shower and praise God. I really do. Uh, part of it's the <coughs> reverberation. <laughs> but I, I do. I, I just love to praise God in the shower. I really do. But you, do, you really need to do it all day long. It's, yeah. It opens the door for the anointing. Well, it says in Psalms that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you begin to praise you know that God's going to come on the scene. And so as they began to praise, you know, once they started worshiping the Lord, his presence is there. And if you read in the Old Covenant, you'll hear about the Ark of the Covenant, which was, you know, what 
was in the most holy place. And uh, the priest, you know, took that ark into the Jordan when Joshua was crossing over. And and so when you begin to take the presence of God with you, there's an anointing. And even when we do worship in here, there's a certain point when you're uh, worshiping the Lord. And, uh, you know, if you're leading, God will give it. He'll, he'll show you where it is. And it's uh, it's where things switch. It, the atmosphere yep. changes. Yeah. We sang a song here that says, mm-hmm. here as in heaven, it says the atmosphere is changing now. Yeah. That's not just a song. That's, yeah. that's what happens uh, at a certain point. You can sing about it, and it never happened. But there is a point where you'll feel, <clears throat> or at least I do, with the Holy Spirit, yeah. that we're moving into a place where the Holy Spirit wants to do something. Yes. And it's only him that does it. It's not our beautiful singing. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not what, what you know, we are capable of. It's what happens when we begin to worship and the Spirit of God settles over that worship. And when that happens, people are touched, people are healed, yeah. people are saved. Uh, people used to say when they came to church here, why are all the Kleenex under the chairs? (laughs) Well, because the Holy Spirit would move and people would begin to weep. And especially in the worship, they would just begin to weep. And by the end of worship, there'd be several people who were weeping. What is that? That's the anointing with the presence of God. That's what happened right here. When they began to worship, the presence of God got involved in that situation. The battle was not theirs. God was doing it. This is not necessarily true. What what she said is true. This is not necessarily true. What I said, but Pamela sometimes tell me, "How did you like that song?" or "How did you like that song?" I said, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. And I said, I said the way I judge the anointing upon a song is if I cry. <laughs> and if I start to cry, that song was anointed. Well, I know that's not necessarily true, but I do know that there are there is there are songs that for me penetrate my heart. I believe God knows right where we are, and He knows what music and what songs will penetrate our heart to bring change into our life. Uh, Psalms 150, verse 6, did you share that? Uh, but let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's not, it's not a question of how, how good you do or don't sound. I told uh, this one time in front of a group, Sue O'Brien was here, and I told in front of the group, I said, you're all going to be surprised when you get to heaven, find out God sings country, and uh, I'm, I'm one of the leaders up there. And Sue shook her hands, and she said, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> But is but we just need to we all need to be praisers. There's something that happens. We just enter into praise and worship. Well, what happened with Jehoshaphat when they did this? Oh, the result was unbelievable. And we're going to share that with you right now because I believe this is the formula, not one, two, three, four, that you do it exactly like this, but that you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit yes. and say, God, I don't know what to do, so show me what to do here. The result was a supernatural miracle. And Pam, I don't know how to put a, a, a description on this, but I believe that because we have been so blessed in this nation and so blessed in the church in America, that we do not believe for the supernatural the way nations like the Sudan do, Pastor Stanley, and places over there where without the supernatural, they may not eat. We are living in a society where most of our needs, even the poorest, are taken care of. And that the supernatural has to have a demand put on it by the obedience of people yielding to it and positioning themselves where God wants them to be to pull down the supernatural. I think it was Oral Roberts who said, Every day there are miracles coming your way, but if you're not ready for them, they'll pass you by. I'm not sure I got that correct. Yeah. When he wrote that, something good is going to happen to you. He said, there's miracles passing by. And the end of that song says, Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way. Yeah. 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 So what's next, my dear? What happened when they, (laughs) what happened when they did what they're supposed to do? You don't even have your notes out. No, I don't. That's all right. I'm you sharing with you. You got me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tonight we go home <laughs> on that chair. I'd, <laughs> you are. Well, anyway, what happened was they won the battle 
and they didn't do anything but praise God. When they came over that hill, what they saw was a defeated enemy. They had destroyed each other. Uh, it doesn't tell us what happened that caused them to turn on each other, but I believe that God, as those praises went up, he said, now he moved this is what he said he'd do, yep. and that's what he did. Yep. And it was supernatural. It wasn't anything anybody could say, well, we did it. No, they didn't. God did it. When you read through Second Chronicles chapter 1, uh, 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 chapter 20, verses 1 through 25, yeah. it said, none of the enemy escaped. They turned on one another because God's supernatural power yeah. caused it to happen. They turned on each other. The victory produced an abundance, and it took them three days to get all of the abundance put together to be able to bring it back. Now, what you and I need to do is to realize that God is the God of the supernatural. Our total focus needs to be upon God. Our total faith needs to be upon God. Our total obedience needs to be upon God. Our total discipline to lean not to yes. our own understanding, but to lean upon God and to, and to move toward God. And that, honey, I know there are people out there tonight that need a miracle. And uh, there are people that will be watching this uh, on Facebook, on YouTube later, uh, that you need a miracle. God has never not been in the miracle business. Our lives are a miracle. And sometimes we forget to reflect back on all the miracles God has done up to the point where we are. And sometimes it's like saying, oh, God, you've done such. We never do this in our right mind. Oh, God, you've done such a wonderful job. All these miracles. I'll take it from here. But we can do that. Yes. And I believe that uh, whatever it is that you're facing, even this situation that we faced with COVID, I, I agree that. Probably uh, some of what could have happened with this disease um, or this virus was stopped by people uh, sheltering in place or wearing masks or doing all the things that they've asked us to do. But I want to tell you the reason that we've been delivered in this nation to the degree we've been delivered, I believe, is because we had a president who said we need to pray, Yes, which is one of the first things I've ever heard yes. in my lifetime to come from a president in a situation publicly asking the church, the people of God to pray. And I believe when the church went to praying, when people went to praying, no matter what their faith, when they went to praying, believing, yep. believing for God to intervene, I believe he spared all of us. And I believe we need to get on through this and see that God is on our side. He's going to take us to the other side of this situation and believe for the miraculous. Continue to believe for the miraculous. I do not believe we're going to wear masks and continue to wear masks. I do not believe we're going to have to wear gloves forever. I don't believe we're going to stay in this situation because there's no name higher than the name of Jesus. And so we put that name of Jesus over this disease as believers, and we expect God to perform a miracle on our behalf, especially for those right now that are struggling with this situation. And we speak <clears throat> Isaiah 54, 17 over you that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And we're going to read uh, Psalms 91 that we've been praying over all of you every day. And uh, it, it's such a powerful word. And for those of you that do need a miracle, maybe you need healing in your body. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a family member. Maybe somebody's away from the Lord. Uh, whatever it is, don't give up and don't get into the habit of trying to figure things out as we've said earlier, but realize this, that God wants to show you how to live and what to do and how to position yourself for the miracle that He is orchestrating for you. He is a miracle working God. And I wanna pray for each and every one of you. Maybe you're out there and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've, you've strayed away like a prodigal son, prodigal child. Don't stay out there. It's dangerous. Let Jesus come into your heart. And if that's you, pray this after me as we all pray together right now. Jesus, Jesus I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you died for my sins. 
I've sinned and I've made mistakes. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But tonight I acknowledge you. But tonight I acknowledge as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my heart. And take control of my life. And take control of my life. The true desire of my heart. The true desire of my heart. Is to serve you. Is to serve you. And to be all that you've called me to be. And to be all that you've called me to be. Pam, you want to pray for people before we uh, do Psalms 91 that are out there that just need a miracle, honey? Lord, we just agree tonight that your word is truth. And that you said with men, uh, things are impossible. But with you, nothing is impossible. So I pray for those tonight that need a miracle. Those that maybe don't uh, see how they're going to be able to even pay their rent. Or, or do the things they need to do financially for their family. In Jesus' name, we thank you that you're a miraculous God and that you can get to them what they have need of as they put their focus, just like we just shared, put their focus on you, seek you, look to you, uh, let, release their faith that you are the God of more than enough, the God who will take care of them. For those who, who need healing and a miracle in their body, we thank you and we agree tonight. It, we agree as touching anything, the Bible says. If two agree as touching anything, it shall be done. If you're with somebody tonight and you're you're struggling in a physical way, have lay hands on someone or let them lay hands on you and believe that God is going to deliver you from sickness and disease. It has no place in your life. That God is going to perform a miracle in your life, whether it comes through medical prescription, whatever it comes through. It's God who heals. And we believe that over your life tonight. If you've, if you've been uh, thinking thoughts of why am I even alive? What am I even doing here? I, I bind the works of the devil and I pray for a miracle in your life of understanding why you're in the earth for such a time as this. I pray that you get a revelation of why God needs you why God has put you here. Number one, because he loves you. And number two, because you, you're you called to love him. But there's beyond that a purpose and a destiny. And there's people that are waiting for you to be who God called you to be so that you can touch their lives with the glory of God. Lord, we thank you tonight that you are the God of impossibilities. And we thank you that the impossibilities that face, that the, the people of this congregation face, or anyone who's listening tonight faces, that you are going to show yourself. You're going to show yourself powerful and mighty on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> Psalms 91, such a powerful psalm that we have been speaking over you. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. He, His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore, the Lord says, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I believe, um, Thelma, I just believe the Lord wants me to tell you that there's much more, much more for yes. you. Many more things that God has for you to do. Yeah. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. And whatever has been attacking you is stopped in the name of Jesus. We agree. <clears throat> Psalms 37, 39, verse 39 to 40. 
But the salvation of the right, righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord will deliver us from everything. Why? Because they trust in Him. I want to read to you the back of the book that the Lord gave me to write, that He wrote through me, I believe. It's from John Mason. Just happened to catch that again. John Mason is a best-selling author and has many great books out there. Some of the best days of your life haven't yet happened. That's why make the best of the rest is so valuable. Just because something hasn't worked for you doesn't mean there's not something big in store for you. Through the wisdom in this book, learn how to hear from the Holy Spirit and rightly discover His plan and purpose for your life from this moment forward. We'd like to send you this book. Many of you have read this book, but there are people that you know that could use this book. So if you'll call 765-447-7777, we will send you as many copies as you need. A little uh, Harmony K took, I don't know, 24, 25 books, gave them out to the teachers in her school, and Sunday walked out with an entire case, her and Lisa. We thank God for that. But uh, we'd love to get this book to you to get in the hands of somebody that has the potential to change their life. We love you. We got our last word. We love you. We appreciate you. Pray for my wife, Pam, as we go home tonight. Glory to God. Mm.